0: We turn now to the Word of God. We're going to read Psalm 23 again. Psalm 23. Let's first pray. The Lord, our shepherd, we come before you and we're about to read your word. We're so thankful that you have spoken to us. We're thankful that we have this revelation from you. That is inerrant that is true that we can count on for this life and for the life to come we thank you for the wonderful way in which you reveal yourself to us and in which you reveal salvation in Jesus Christ and we pray Lord that you would use that word in a mighty way in our hearts, and in our lives. As we read it, as we hear it proclaimed, Lord, we look to your blessing. We know that it's possible to hear and ignore, but Lord, we pray that you would bless it in such a way that it may impact us, that it may change us, that it may strengthen us, that it may comfort us, that it may draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is our text, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, This morning we continue our meditation on Psalm 23. We do not need to be in a pandemic in order for this psalm to be a fruitful psalm to spend some time with. Psalm 23 has been a great blessing for God's people throughout history in every conceivable circumstance. But in the current circumstances, it, is a, it certainly is a wonderful reminder to us that God is the shepherd of his people, that he has given himself, that he's taken upon himself the task of taking care of his sheep with all that that entails. Whatever else this pandemic is, it is a time of uncertainty. It has disrupted our lives in ways that most of us have never experienced, and we do not know how it will impact our lives going forward. Of course, we always live with uncertainty concerning the future, but given what we are going through at the moment, it seems especially appropriate to pay close attention to what God is saying to us in this beautiful psalm. Now that the overall idea is the same throughout the psalm, God will take care of his people. But the psalm gives us various perspectives on that wonderful truth. It gives us a number of different ideas and pictures to help the truth of God of God's care for his people to resonate more deeply in our hearts. There are many experience, there are many perspectives in the Bible concerning what it means that God takes care of his people and Psalm 23 itself has a number of different things for us to think about that in order to foster our trust in God as we face not only this pandemic, but all the challenges and uncertainties of life. So this morning we consider then verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The whole psalm is a wonderful expression of trust in God, and Psalm 4 is the pinnacle of that. The words, even though, at the beginning of verse 4, are very significant. They convey the idea that David trusts in God to take care of him even in the most difficult situation. God, David can't think of anything worse to go through than the valley of the shadow of death. He's using the power of his poetry to describe the worst imaginable situation in his life that he can imagine. And he is saying, Even there, I will fear no evil. This is something like what Job said in Job 13, 15, when he said, Even though he slay me, I will hope in him. What a wonderful expression of trust in God. Job Job is saying, even if God kills me, I'm still going to hope in him. I can't help mentioning what else, what Job says next in that text, even though it's not directly relevant to the point that I'm making. But just listen for a minute to the whole verse of Job 13, 15. He says, though he will slay me, I will hope in him. And then he continues, yet I will argue my ways to his face. I love that. Love that about the Bible. Job is trusting in God, and yet he wants answers from God. We have that in the lament theme in the Bible. In the end, believers must come to the place where they submit to God and where they are content, many times at least, without answers about why God does what he does. But the laments of Scripture give us permission to express our agonizing questions to God in the midst of suffering. And that's what Job is doing here. He eventually is going to come to the place where he puts his hand over his mouth. But getting there is a process. And here in chapter 13:15, Job is still arguing with God about how God has treated him. It's a wonderful expression of a genuinely open relationship with God. Though he slay me, I will hope in him, Job says. That's his overall posture. He's trusting in God, and yet he has questions. Yet will I argue my ways to his face. Anyway, back to our text. The point that David is making is that even in the worst imaginable situation, the most scary place, he will fear no evil. A beautiful expression of trust, no matter what happens. Now, the valley of the shadow of death. The experience that David is drawing on is that of a shepherd leading his flock through a dark valley. Apparently, the quest in the quest to find water and pasture for flocks, shepherds had to lead their sheep through these ravines that were in deep shadow and therefore were dangerous and very unpleasant places, they were gloomy they were hot, they were unpleasant one of the scholars who's written on Psalm 23 actually visited the general vicinity where David uh, had been a shepherd and he says this, this scholar says that just walking through one of these places was very hard, very difficult he writes, quote, My two-liter bottle of water was depleted halfway through our journey. I had enough trouble dragging myself up and down the, those rocky hills. I cannot imagine the difficulty of shepherding a whole flock of sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. So David is, is talking about walking along a very difficult path. The translation, valley of the shadow of death, is a legitimate one, but you may notice that the ESV has an alternate translation, which is the Valley of Deep Darkness. The commentators, of course, have involved discussions about the best way to translate the Hebrew text, but most of them end up saying, in one way or another, that the idea of the, the Valley of the Shadow of Death is probably intended. This is poetry. The figure is that of a dark and scary place that can describe all sorts of life experiences, including the ultimate dark valley, the dark valley of actually dying. The point is that David is confessing that he will not fear in the most scary, in the most difficult place. He's basically saying... No matter where the shepherd leads me, I will fear no evil. He is covering every possible situation up to and including death itself. Think a little more about those words, I will fear no evil. David is speaking about not fearing in circumstances that normally make people afraid. Human beings have the ability to, to be afraid. We can anticipate danger or hardship and be afraid of, of what's coming to us. There's a lot of situations in which fear is quite a normal response, and at some level it is a necessary response. Now clearly this text is telling God's people not to fear, but that does not mean that we should not be concerned about things that threaten our well-being and take prudent action. For instance, it would be an improper response to the pandemic not to be concerned about it and not to take precautions. That would be wrong on a number of different levels. Living wisely in a fallen world, a fallen creation, means dealing prudently with threats and dangers. For instance, Proverbs 11.14 says, In the abundance of counselors, there is safety. One way to avoid danger is to get advice. Trusting in God and not being fearful does not mean that we should not try to avoid danger by taking prudent action, which means being concerned about dangers and taking action to avoid it if we can but we cannot avoid all danger altogether many things are completely beyond our control there are many dangers in life even for us who until recently lived in one of the most secure places in the world we can get sick with a deadly disease we can lose our job we can become unable to work We can get in an accident, we can lose a loved one, our house can burn down. Economy can fall apart, making it more difficult for us to get the things that we need. As human beings living in a fallen world, there are all kinds of ways that we can suffer loss. But David is saying that even though he should have to go through a very dark valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil. What does he mean here by evil? He doesn't mean that he will not suffer. He does not mean that he will not experience hard times. He means rather that he will not be afraid that anything will ultimately harm him. He is acknowledging here that the shepherd may lead him through some very dark places. But because he trusts the shepherd, to take care of him, he will not fear. There's an element of submission here. David is submitting to the possibility of being led through the valley of the shadow of death. He's thinking of himself as a sheep being led by his shepherd and he is acknowledging that the shepherd may lead him through some very dark places. <clears throat> There's an element of submission to the leading of the shepherd not fearing in a difficult situation involves submitting to the will of the shepherd trusting that the shepherd knows what he's doing trusting that the shepherd is leading along a path for a good reason trusting in God and submitting to his will in our lives goes hand in hand And notice further that David is expressing a commitment, his commitment not to fear. I will fear no evil. He's not saying that he will not be tempted to fear. He's not saying that not fearing is easy or automatic. He's committing himself to fear no evil. He's made the decision ahead of time that even though the shepherd leads him through the darkest valley, he will not fear. He's saying ahead of time how he plans to respond when he has to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a decision that he has made ahead of time. Now, he does not speak here about how hard it will be to follow through in his determination not to fear. But in another psalm, David does open up about his struggle with fear, In Psalm 55, 4 and 5, David sings a different tune. There he says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. So when David in Psalm 23 says that he will fear no evil, even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, he's not being arrogant And ignoring just how hard it will be not to fear in fearful circumstances. And the Bible in general never says that trusting God in hard times is easy. The Bible deals realistically with our sinful weakness. And God's people are always living by grace. Because we are never all that we should be, including not being fearful when times when hard times threaten and yet there is this commitment that david makes even though he knows he will not be able to keep it perfectly even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil we should not be discouraged if we find ourselves fearful when we are threatened by pain and hardship David's expression here does not mean that not being fearful came easy to him and that he never fell into being fearful, but this is his commitment. This is his determination. He has decided ahead of time that he is not going to fear, even though God should lead him through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't mean that he will be able to follow through perfectly on his commitment, but he knows intellectually that there is no reason... For him to fear because God is a shepherd and so he is determined to live in a way that is consistent with what he knows to be true I want to bring in the disciples of Jesus at this point they show us what we are often like in our weakness but they their story also shows us Jesus patience with them remember the story of jesus in the boat with his disciples jesus is asleep in the boat in the boat a huge storm comes up looks like the boat is going to sink jesus keeps on sleeping the disciples are terrified and in mark's account of this story the disciples say something astonishing but something i think that we can all relate to mark 4 38 says But he, that is Jesus, was asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? From our perspective, looking in on the story, what the disciples accuse Jesus of is shocking. Jesus had come to give his life for them. No one cared for them as much as Jesus did. And yet, I'm sure that we can identify with the disciples as well. Objectively, we know that God is in control, that He is our shepherd, that we have no reason to fear ever. And yet, we do fear. We do sometimes feel that God is far away and that He does not care about what we are going through. Thankfully, we have the disciples in the Bible. Their weakness and Jesus' patience with them is a great encouragement for us. But still, Jesus does rebuke them. After he exercised his almighty power in calming the storm, Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So we see we have the reality of the weakness of their faith. We have the patience of Jesus and not rejecting his disciples because of their unbelief, but we also have his rebuke and his call to faith. And we can see David's commitment not to fear in that light. This is not anything that any of God's people can do flawlessly. We're all afraid when we should be calm and confident in God's care for us. And yet David's example here calls us to make the same commitment that he does in this text, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We know that that will not be easy. We know that we will not do it perfectly. But this is what the Lord is calling us to do in this passage and in many other places. And so we're to take ourselves in hand. We are to think of the reality of God as our divine shepherd, and we are to determine, as David does here, to live with the confidence and the trust that no matter what happens to us, our shepherd is going to take care of us. He is caring for us even in the dark valleys of our lives. In the last part of the verse, David tells us The last part of this verse tells us why David commits himself to fear no evil, even though he may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Of course, the whole psalm is about why David has no reason to fear in any situation. But in verse 4, he specifically mentions the fact that the Lord his shepherd is with him. And the fact that God is with his people is a very pervasive theme in the Bible. It means that the people of God always have God's attention, that he is actively involved in their lives, that he is exercising his power and his wisdom for their true and eternal well-being, that he is always there for them. This idea is inherent in the picture of the shepherd taking care of his sheep, but in verse 4, David mentions it explicitly, and we understand, we are to understand what it means by thinking about this idea in the light of some of the other places in the Bible where God speaks about being with his people. A beautiful example of this in the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Moses had died. Joshua had been chosen by God to be Moses' successor. The people of Israel were on the brink of the promised land. They were going to have to fight to take it. And you will remember how when the 12 spies had scouted out the land years before, the majority of those spies had concluded that it was impossible for Israel to conquer the people living there. So, Joshua is facing what looked like an impossible task. He's facing a challenge that would certainly tempt him to be afraid. But the Lord reassured him by reaffirming that he would be with him. That he would be with Joshua and the people of Israel. Joshua 1, 5 and 6. God is speaking, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Then a few verses further, verse 9, Joshua 1. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua is being told not to fear because the Lord would be with him and would never leave him. Now Joshua is a type of Christ. When we think of Jesus, he is with his people in a better way And then the Lord was with Joshua. For in Jesus, God became a man to be with his people in a more intimate way than he'd ever been with his people in the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of the name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Jesus came to be with us in such a profound way that he actually became one, that he actually is united to his people. He's one with us in such a profound way that his our sins became his. He took our sins upon himself and he transfers his righteousness to us. Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, came to permanently be with us as both God and man, to become one with us. Jesus being with his disciples is an incredible comfort in the midst of the dangers and challenges of life. The story that I already mentioned of Jesus in the boat with his disciples in the middle of the storm. It's a wonderful picture of how Jesus is with his people in the midst of the storms of life. He calms The storms, not only by, not by making the difficulties go away, but by assuring his people that he is with them in those storms, by giving them peace and confidence in his care and in his guidance of our lives. One of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And he said that to comfort them. He had just given them the great task of making disciples of all the nations. And the great comfort and assurance that he gives to them was this promise that he would be with them. So when David in our text says that he will not fear any evil... Because God is with him. He is reflecting a theme that is pervasive in the Bible. God is with his people. That is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ. And because of that, there is no reason to fear. That never means that there will not be hard times to go through. But it does mean that those hard times do not mean that God has abandoned us. That is David's point about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He realizes that there will be these dark valleys. He realizes that one day he will have to walk through the darkest valley of all that leads to death. But the reason that he is committed not to fear any evil is that he is confident that God will be with him even in those darkest valleys the last part of the verse, David says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are for, are for guidance and control of the sheep and for defense from predators. The result of the presence of the shepherd with his sheep is that he protects them from danger and that he guides them by his rod and his staff. We looked at guidance last week. When we considered how the shepherd leads his people, his sheep along the paths of righteousness, we saw then that he leads by his word and also by the way in which he orchestrates the circumstances of their lives. The good shepherd guides our lives so that they flourish as he leads us to the promised land. Along the way, there are many dangers. The shepherd is there to protect the sheep from those dangers. Now, if we look at all of this in the light of the storyline of the Bible, the truth that helps us to make sense of it all is that God's care and guidance and protection of his sheep has to do with their well-being as he defines it. The Bible makes it clear that what matters most in life is our relationship with God and our growth in holiness and in Christ-likeness. The great dangers, the greatest dangers that we face are not the things that threaten our this-worldly comforts and pleasures, but they are spiritual dangers, things like temptation and worldliness and idolatry. God does give us many blessings that are enjoyable. But when it comes to what he is most concerned about for our well-being, it has to do with our well-being in the light of eternity. What matters most are the things that will matter when we have to stand before God at the end of our lives. And what matters most even in this life it's not how comfortable we are, but how much we are like Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. The great concern in the Bible is not that we have easy lives, but that we have holy lives. The greatest threat of all is sin and where sin leads. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He did not come that we might be rich in this worldly comfort, but that we might be delivered from our sins and that we might be enabled to live lives of righteousness that are pleasing to God. And it's only when we conform our desires and our passions and our priorities to what God teaches us is most important that we will be able to experience the comfort that Psalm 23 is designed to give. In 1, Peter, in 1 Timothy 6:11, Paul says to Timothy, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Those are the types of things that we are to pursue <clears throat> in our lives. Sometimes God uses hard times to help us to grow in these areas. And to the degree that our desires are in sync with God's priorities for us, to that degree will we be able to live without fear, trusting that everything that God is doing in our lives is designed for our spiritual growth and is preparing us for the ultimate blessedness of being with him in the age to come. If we are trusting Christ, we have nothing to fear. Jesus has taken the sting out of death by conquering sin, by rising from the dead, Jesus has given his all so that we might be saved from our sins. And he is committed to applying that salvation to us all the way to its fullness, which will, be, which will happen when we leave this life to be with him. And the more we are in tune with what Jesus died to give us, the more we will be able to live without fear. We do not experience this imperfection in this life, <clears throat> but through Christ we can experience the beginning of it. And following David's example, we can decide that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil Because God is with us, and his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Jesus, uh, David didn't do it perfectly either, but still he was determined to fear no evil. And what a wonderful thing it is that God is willing to call us to such a wonderful way to live may be hard but it is certainly wonderful so let us seek to grow in fearing no evil it's one of the ways that we honor god and experience the comfort of his care and his love let's pray oh lord we thank you for your rich provision for us for the greatness of your love and care for us. We thank you for the images that convey these ideas in Psalm 23 and verse 4. We thank you for David and speaking of his own experience and of his commitment to fear no evil, to to make that commitment ahead of time And to make it in knowing full well that there may be very difficult times ahead in his life. Father, we thank you so much for the perspective of your word on our lives as your people. So that as we go through challenges and difficulties, as we face an uncertain future on this earth, that there is absolute certainty on the things that matter most, and that even though we may have to go through difficult times, and in one way or another we all will, we can be confident that this is all part of your gracious plan for our lives, and that you are leading us as a shepherd leads his sheep through the dark valleys to the promised land help us to to live more consciously with that perspective and so that we might by your grace learn to live more fully what david expresses in this verse that he will fear no evil because you are with him may that be our commitment, and our experience as well. In Jesus' name, amen.